folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited. Uh, got a new webcam. It's uh, we'll, we'll see how it looks on post. Uh, we'll see what it looks like. I've been messing around with it a lot today. Hopefully it looks okay. Uh, it looks pretty clear. It looks pretty good. I mean, look at the... Uh, look at the plant in the background. It looks pretty defined there. Uh, on this episode, <laughs> we are going to, you know, I'm actually going to flip around the order that you see on the rundown over on that side. Uh, I am instead going to chat about the Zeke Naji extension and some kind of Nuggets what ifs at practice today. I didn't think necessarily that the Nuggets per, like, exclude, exuded excellence and exuded confidence at practice today in a lot of ways. And that's okay. Like they don't have to, it's, it's October. If they're not doing it by April, then I'll be a little bit more concerned, but I did want to go through some things here on this episode. And, but I do want to go over the Zeke Naji extension first. Zeke Naji gets a contract according to Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, reported by Adam Pence or shared with him by Adam Pensack, who is Zeke's agent. Uh, Zeke gets a four-year, $32 million contract extension, and he gets a player option on the end of it, and that's a good thing for both him and for the Nuggets. They're, they're, I think this is a good deal. I think this is a, a good positive deal for both sides in general, and here's why. A lot of people had some brushback on Zeke actually getting a contract. Four years, $32 million. Oh, that sounds like, like it's a lot for a guy that doesn't really play. But if you believe that he is going to be a guy that plays, then another guy or another team is going to pay him in free agency. And Denver, if they decided that they didn't want to pay Zeke now, then they would be up against the market in free agency in a year where hey, the, the cap may go up another 10%. And if it does, then you're looking at, I think it was like, 140 or something as as of this maybe it was like 134 if it's if it's even higher and you're competing with even more teams and a team throws the mid-level exception at Zeke Naji which would be around I don't know 4 years 52 million at that point then you're starting to get into some tedious territory so that's if Zeke proved himself and this is definitely a it's definitely a bet on Zeke Naji I don't want to say otherwise but Four years, $32 million. It's an $8 million per year salary. That's not going to kill Denver one way or the other, even if it doesn't work out. And the reason why is because it's still a movable contract. And Denver, they need movable contracts in order to continue to upgrade their team if they find that they need a backup point guard, if they find that they need a different backup center than Zeke Naji or somebody like that. Maybe they need a, a more stable forward, somebody who's in that six eight six nine range that is a really good spacer and defender and things like that. If they find that they need those things, then this is actually a good contract to sign now to make sure that they have that flexibility in the future. They won't be able to trade Zeke now, but like they, they still have the flexibility. But I do want to just at least hit on those points before talking about Zeke as the player. Only played 130-something games over the course of his first three seasons. He's been hurt in each of his three seasons. He has not been able to stay on the floor. And it's unfortunate that that has been the case. But 
I do think Zeke is one of those guys that as long as as long as he stays healthy and has a runway, then there should be no reason why the development isn't there. Denver's not asking him to do a whole bunch. They're asking him to fill a specific niche, a specific role, somebody who can do a specific skill or two and do them extremely well. And for Zeke, that is rebounding as best as he can. He's got to be a better rebounder. He's already a great switch defender, and having a guy like that, especially in the front court, is a really, really big asset for Denver. And then they need him to either roll to the rim harder and finish around the rim, and if he gets fouled, then he's got to make free throws. He did that well in the preseason. Or they need him to start hitting some threes and picking and popping. I don't know what his career is going to look like going forward. I think there's a possibility that he goes either of those directions. I think the easiest way for him to generate some value for himself is for him to start picking and popping a little bit at that one one five pick and roll and to actually space the floor. He hasn't done a lot of rolling. He hasn't done a lot of, pop, a lot of popping. He has been rolling to the rim almost exclusively in that preseason time. So it's just kind of a shocker to me that they've gone that direction. But I can understand why. I can understand that there are certain things that they'd want him to do. Hey, we're going to get you to figure out this, and then we'll let you figure out picking and popping. Denver's got to work that into their rotation. They've got to work that into their playbook. Because if Zeke Naji is going to earn this contract, I think he's going to have to do more than be the backup center. I think he's going to have to play some backup four, and he could play next to Nikola Jokic at various points. Now, he doesn't have to be a massive floor spacer in order to play next to Joker, but it would be helpful to, hey, you're going to stand in the corner and hit some threes? Cool, that's great. You're you're ready for that, and that's a good thing. Or, hey, you're in the dunker spot, and you are making yourself available on the offensive glass, or as kind of a big target under the rim that Joker can trust and throw the ball to, and Murray can trust and throw the ball to. Those are good things. Those are things I think Zeke can do. I can see why people are not happy about it. I can see why people are happy about it. I think there are good, like there's good arguments for both sides here, but look, Denver's kind of got a dearth of front court options right now and committing to one of them and saying, Hey, we, we believe in you. We're going to trust you. We're going to see what happens here. We're going to try to make this work because now we're in for the long haul together. I think that's okay. I think that's a, a reasonable way to do business. And now it's on Michael Malone, Calvin Booth. Uh, it's on those guys to make it make it work. It's on Zeke Naji to make it work, to get better, to play better consistently, and to stay healthy. If he could do those things, then that'll be that's an exciting aspect of this. So we will see what happens with him. But I want to transition here real quick to Nuggets practice. I I'll, let me just read some quotes out actually. So. I went into Nuggets practice. So I, I got there. I, doors hadn't opened yet. We talked for a little bit with everybody. Everybody's busy, but you get into the practice and energy seems to be pretty good. No, no different than normal. You're just chatting with people, talking with people, taking the occasional video, things like that. And then I sat down and I, I listened to Jamal and Michael Malone speak in particular. Christian Brown also spoke. He had positive things to say. Very stereotypical Christian Brown. He's got the the confidence. He's got not not the cockiness specifically, but he is definitely ready for the season. Doesn't think that his injury is going to affect him. Michael Malone did say that 
Michael Porter and Christian Brown will be ready to go on opening night Tuesday. And my guess is that obviously Porter starts and Christian Brown is the first off the bench. That's what has been projected. And Michael Malone today talked about that. And he talked about how the bench was kind of a work of progress still. I asked him directly if if they had learned enough about the bench unit. And he said no. He said he said it was hard that Michael Porter and Christian Brown had been out because then you don't really get the full picture of your starters. You don't get the full picture of your bench. I think he has a general idea of what he's going to do, but he also said, direct quote here, quote, Julian had a very good preseason offensively. Some other guys did some nice things, but we're going to kind of have to figure out that bench unit as we go. And what that says to me is that there are no no players penciled in. I think that you can pencil in Zeke Naji now as the backup center. That's That's one that I would definitely pencil in, at least for the time being. And... You can probably pencil in Christian Brown, obviously. And you could probably pencil in Reggie Jackson for playing some minutes. That's just going to happen. If Jamal Murray is going to stagger, then that's your one and your two. And you have your three with Christian Brown and you have your five with Zeke Naji. Now you just have to find your four. And kind of ambiguous who that's going to be. It's probably not Julian Strother, right? He's not that big. He's, and Christian Brown isn't big enough to play the four consistently. You don't want to put him that far out of position when he's at his best as a two and is kind of sizing down as a three. So some things to figure out here, and it wouldn't surprise me if Aaron Gordon staggered, especially on Tuesday night, to guard LeBron James with the second unit. That will probably happen. Uh, but if Denver does go small and they play, let's say they pay, they play Peyton Watson, which I think is a pretty standard thing. Um inexperienced, probably not the best fit, probably not the best size, probably a pretty talented group to be clear, but it would just kind of shock me if that group did well. A Reggie, Jamal, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Zeke Naji group. I think if you subbed out Reggie Jackson for Julian Strother, you get at least another wing out there and you play three wings at the same time and Brown, Strother, Watson. But it's still so young. It's such a young group. Strother's 21. Watson's 21. Zeke's 22. Christian, I think, is 23. And then Jamal at that point, if he's if he's out there, is 26. So that is such a young group. And I, I'm not sure if that's the way that you want to go, especially on opening night. So you're probably getting guys like Reggie Jackson and Justin Holiday out there, maybe even DeAndre Jordan. but. That to me means Denver's probably staggering. They might play some young guys, but it wouldn't surprise me if Juliet Strother was on the sidelines at the beginning of the year, and people are not going to like that. So, is what it is. But I also wanted to draw attention to this other quote from Jamal Murray. He says, quote, we're going to mess up a lot. We're going to look lazy a lot, just from what I'm seeing and what I know we can do. If we can go stretches where we stay consistent, I think looking out for those kinds of moments will be really key to us. Once we can see ourselves do something really good for a a good period of time, we can go try and emulate that game after game. And what that says to me, it's a mature quote from somebody who sees what great basketball is and kind of knows that Denver right now is not there. and. That's both okay and not okay, because 
Denver's got a long runway. It is a long season. October 22nd is when I'm recording this. This will go up October 23rd. I think that, look, if Denver's going to win a championship, it's not going to happen in October, November. We found that out last year. The most important thing that Denver could do is by December, start to find their stride, play better in December, play better in January, play better in February, kind of get to your peak in March, and then coast the rest of the way. That's what I think they're going to try to do again. But they might have to do that on kind of accident this time and not on purpose because last year they could kind of, they, they knew what they had and they still do know what they have with their starting unit. But the bench is still going to be a work in progress and it is going to take time. I think Jamal notices that too. He's been staggering with the second unit. He knows what's going on. And even with the starters, he says, quote, we're going to look lazy a lot. And if that's the case, then they might drop some games, especially early on, that you're probably going to scratch your head about, that you're probably going to wonder what the hell's going on here. I'm here to tell you to not panic. I'm here to tell you that, like I said, Denver's not going to win the championship in October and November. But what I will say is that in a very competitive West, the most important thing that Denver can do is help themselves out with home court advantage in the playoffs. And if they get the one seed, that's the best way to do so. You don't have to fight too hard to get the one seed, although maybe you do this year. Maybe a team breaks out and has 55 wins, and then you as Denver have to get 56. And if that's the case, then you're working a little bit even harder than you did last year, where Denver coasted into 53. It was very easy for them to get 53. So I'm curious what that's going to look like. I'm curious whether Denver's going to be able to coast or not, and whether they might just choose, hey, we're okay with a three seed. We're okay with a four seed. We're okay with taking our time and making sure these young guys get up to speed or at least identifying which of the young guys you can really trust. And if that's the way that Denver decides to go, then so be it. Uh, Nuggets fans are going to have to be along for the ride. It's going to be frustrating, I know. But most important thing that the Nuggets can do and Nuggets fans can do at this point is stay patient because it is going to be a long year. And going back through the regular season ups and downs are not going to be fun for a lot of people, but certainly not Nuggets fans. Nuggets fans, uh, they're just going to be itching for the playoffs too. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to chat about uh, over-unders this year in the NBA. Going to do a little bit of a look around the NBA. We're going to do an over-under for every single team. Uh, But first, folks, why would you bet with the big boys this football season when you have the opportunity instead to bet with Superbook Sports? Uh, the partner of this podcast and uh, doing a great job of sponsoring everything here at Mile High Sports. They're just the book next door. They're just a dedicated team of odds makers, the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now uh, you as a Nuggets or as a Nuggets person, you can bet on the Nuggets games and you'll be able to have that opportunity here. If you sign up and wager with Superbook Sports, all you got to do is they'll give you a bonus of up to $250 if you are able to sign up and wager on the same day. And then you have to make sure to use that promo code Mile High. So bet with the best. Use that promo code Mile High this football and basketball season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll.
Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's now dive straight into West Over Unders. Uh, this should be a fun one. This is going to be a good topic here. I've been putting this together, and I definitely enjoy doing this. This is a fun topic for me, uh, especially now I've got the alley-oop, so I'm, you might see this content over there as well uh, on Tuesday or Friday or something like that. Uh, betting on the West Over Unders before and the east over unders we're going to get to them in the next segment um we're going to do this now we're going to bet on each team or not bet on them we're i'm just going to share my thoughts on each team we're going to go rapid fire let's start with the west we'll start with dallas uh they are the first team in the western conference they're over under on superbook sports but you can get all these odds at superbook is 44.5 i have dallas of 43 wins i recently had a conversation with a dallas person over on the alley-oop, you can make sure to go check that out for the Southwest preview. Um, they were talking about Dallas starting rookies. And not one, but two rookies could start and play significant time this year for the Dallas Mavericks. And that's never a good sign. So I am going to go under. They're over-unders 44.5. I have them at 43 and 39. So I have that as an under. Not a strong under, but an under nonetheless. Denver, your team, 52 and a half is the over-under at Superbook Sports. I have them at 52. So I think this is a stay away personally because one of the things that I've learned about the Nuggets is that they go over every single season. Like, that's just how it is. So I will stay away. I would definitely not bet on the under on this team. But the bench is definitely a question mark. Denver may not take the regular season as seriously and or as stressfully just having gone through this process and knowing what they have to do and if part of the process is getting younger players up to speed Denver's going to have some growing pains to go through so I have them at 52 over under at 52 and a half slight under but I wouldn't bet this if I were you Golden State the over under on Superbook Sports is 48 and a half I have them at 47 there's definitely a lot of buy-in when it comes to Chris Paul replacing Jordan Poole. I'm not sure I buy that fully, and I'm not sure that I buy the supporting cast for the Warriors and like Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney and Andrew Wiggins. I'm not sure I buy those guys being in great enough physical shape and then being able to stay healthy in order to do the things that I think a lot of people think the Warriors can. Now, I do like Kaminga. I do like uh, Chris Paul if he's the sixth man. Now, if he's the starter, then that's a little bit more shaky, and I just don't really know how that lineup works. But I think the Warriors will be good. I think they're going to be in that top kind of five range for the playoffs this year, but I have them at 47 wins. Hard to go over in the West. I have a lot of unders this year, and it's nobody's fault here, but like I, I just have a lot of unders because all these teams are going to cannibalize each other. So under on the Golden State Warriors at 48 and a half. I have them at 47. So not again, not a strong under, but an under nonetheless. Houston, this is a stay away for me. 32.5. I think this is a great line. I have them at 32. And there's reasons to believe that they could be better than this. There's reasons to believe that they could be worse. Uh, Dylan Brooks is going to be uh, he's going to be volatile. Jalen Green and Alper and Shangun will be volatile. Jabari Smith Jr., super young player, but I do think that he's good. I think that he's he's very interesting for sure. But they're still super young. And even though Fred Van Vliet came over from Toronto, 
even though Jeff Green came over from Denver, uh, Jock Landale, guys like that, like the, Dylan Brooks, they've got some more vets now. They've got some more stability, but I still see this as an as a slight under, more likely to go under than go over. But I mean, who knows? Maybe they break out. Man, another under on the board. I've got the Clippers 46.5. I've got them at 46 wins. Another under. That's crazy. So I think that's under on every single West team so far. And that's crazy that the next one I'm, I'm going to be talking about will be an over and you're not going to like it. But the Clippers I have under 46 and a half. You just can't bet on Kawhi and Paul George staying healthy. They're going to start Terrence Mann this year by the looks of it. Terrence Mann, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Avisa Zubac. I'm not sure I like that. I like Nicholas Batum better. Maybe they wanted him to be more of a stagger guy. But they've got Marcus Morris there. They've got Nicholas Batum. They've got they've got some options to be clear. Just not sure why they decided to go smaller. Like it just that doesn't make as much sense to me. But who knows? Maybe this is a good way to get Kawhi and PG to kind of transition to the three and the four, and then they can play some of their other guard talent like a Bones Highland. We will see. Lakers, I have over uh, forty-seven and a half for them. I have them at the four at forty-nine and thirty-three. Over for them. 47 and a half, I think is a pretty good line. And usually the Lakers are overpriced. Usually they are a team that like there's, there's a lot of baked in odds for, for the Lakers. Like, Hey, the market is going to tell you, Hey, the the Lakers are going to do great. And that it doesn't actually, but they're taking advantage of the largest fan base in the world. Lakers fans. So I have them at 49 wins though. I think that they're going to be good. I think they're going to be the third seed in the West. Now, uh, Memphis, We'll talk about them in just a little, like just at this next point, but uh, they they drop for me. So the Lakers, I think they are going to be a good regular season team as long as they stay healthy. And I think that they have more depth now where they can rest guys if they're kind of in the red, as opposed to having to play through some stuff where they had to last year just in order to make it. And I think it got them banged up by the end. So they're going to be a little bit more picky but I think they can get through it. If you've got Russell and Reeves and LeBron and AD, all four of those guys are capable for going off for 20 or not just off for 20, but like consistently 20 pretty regularly. So if you've got that stability and making sure that you're going to be a great offense and that Anthony Davis is going to be one of the best defensive players in the world. So that helps. I've got them over. Memphis, I have under especially given the Steven Adams injury that just came out. Just came out earlier today, Steven Adams having season-ending ACL surgery, I'm pretty sure. I think, yeah, it was definitely knee surgery. I thought it was ACL. But he's not going to play at all. He is going to be out for the year. And they're already without Brandon Clark. And they're without John Moran for the first 25 games. This has the potential. I mean, they, they do have a team that has depth. Like Santi Aldama will probably step up with them. Jaron Jackson will probably start at the five. Maybe Xavier Tillman will start at the five so that Jaron Jackson can be at the four. But they have some guys that can step up there, but it's just, there's just too much. There are too many injuries that have now piled up for them. And I think that's going to be a very frustrating thing because it's not just about who's in the starting lineup. It's about the backup that then becomes the starter. And then the third string now becomes the backup. And the minutes automatically get to be less quality. So I have them under now 45 and a half. I have them at 44 wins. 
Minnesota. Minnesota, I'm taking the over. I'm taking the over on 45 and a half. That's a pretty good line, but I have them at 47 now. They're the one they're one of the teams that benefits from the Memphis injury here, from Steven Adams' injury. And Minnesota's just going to be one of those teams that if they stay healthy, they have as much talent as anybody in the league. And I know that that feels weird coming from an eighth seed, but I do respect their team. I think that their team's really good. And I think that they're going to figure out that Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns pairing a little bit easier this year, especially with Mike Conley in tow. Him being there instead of D'Angelo Russell, like their team is just going to make more sense and they're going to figure it out and they're going to solve problems better. And to me, like, they're also hungry. They're also a team that now has a lot of pressure on it and good pressure in that they've tasted the playoffs and they want to go further. So I think they're going to be better. I really do. 47 wins for me, so over on 45 and a half. Here is my first strong bet of the, of the segment. Under on the New Orleans Pelicans, 43 and a half is the line. I have them at 39 wins. And that's not really based off of much of, like, I mean, there is some logic behind this, of course. And again, just just so we're clear, I'm not a gambling professional. This is me talking to everybody or like reporters around the NBA and trying to gauge what people are really saying, what people are really thinking. I just came away from my conversation with New Orleans, not super excited. They have questions. They don't really have a great solution at point guard right now. CJ McCollum handling the ball too much is not good. Zion Williamson is better handling the basketball for them. And it just kind of surprises me that they've gone the direction that they have. But, I mean, hard to commit to Zion fully. They need to commit to Zion fully, but he also has to stay healthy and prove that. So I don't think he's going to do that. I don't think that the New Orleans Pelicans are going to fit that well. Trey Murphy is already out, and he's going to be out until late November, December-ish. So I think that this is a this is my first under that I would bet on the board for sure. I think that's going to be tough. That's going to be a, a pretty difficult thing, but I, I I don't feel comfortable about New Orleans. They're a team that could make a move here, and if they do make a move, like it, it could be worse to get better in the future, or it could be this big star trade that kind of comes out of the blue. Either way, it's just it's going to be a lot of overturn. So we'll see. Oklahoma City, I'm going under on them, 44 and a half. I have them at 43 wins. This one I don't feel great about. I think that they could they could definitely change my mind. One of the reasons why I'm I'm listing my number of wins here for all these teams is because I've I've added up. I have 1,230 wins, 1,230 losses for the entire league. That's how you game out the 82 game season. 82 times uh 15, basically. Um I think that I think that a team like OKC has the ability to get 50 in a year like this, especially when Memphis falls, especially when there's a little bit of turnover. Maybe Denver's not trying as hard. But I do think that there's still things that they have to learn, and there was a reason why I was a little bit hesitant there. This feels like the year before the year for them because Chet is going to need one year, I think, to get up to speed, even if he's very, very good right now. He'll probably be very, very, very good next year. That would be my my expectation for them. So 
under on 44 and a half. I have them at 43 wins. Phoenix is the next team. This is my first over that I would bet. The line is 50 and a half, and I would bet the over here. Uh, The reason why is because they are going to be a team that as long as their main three or two of their main three are healthy, they've got enough talent around those guys. Like Grayson Allen can pick up 10 points here or there. Eric Gordon can pick up 10 points here or there. Yusuf Nurkic, Josh Okoge, uh, they've got other guys that can score a little bit. But the bulk of the scoring is obviously going to be taken up by their big three. And if two of those three guys are healthy at any given time, they're going to be favored and they're going to be favored in a lot of these matchups. It's going to be really hard for other teams to match up with them and slow them down because their offense just it's it's killer. Now, their defense is going to be a question mark. And I do think that that's a that is a good question. Are they going to be a top 20 defense? I was having this conversation with Matt Moore a few days ago, and I think they will be. I think they'll be in that 16 to 20 range because they're going to be able to try hard in the regular season from a defensive perspective. We'll find out. We'll find out. This is like, I have it as a bet. This is a, not necessarily a confident one that you can make in a, in the West specifically, but like it is a, a line that I think that they could outperform if their team is healthy. Like if they, if they stay relatively healthy and guys are trying to go for awards and things like that, then they're going to play at least 65. And if that's the case, then I mean, might as well, like might as well bet it. Got a few more here on the board before we hit a break. Portland under on the 27 and a half. I have them at 26. It's a good line. I don't think that they could realistically go over. Scoo Henderson looked very up and down and, and mostly down during the preseason. It's good. It's just going to take up some time to figure things out at the NBA level. So I have them at 26 wins. Sacramento, their line is 44 and a half. I'm, I have them at 46 wins. And that might be ludicrous given what we saw in the preseason. They didn't win a game in the preseason. And that generally isn't a great sign. But if De'Aaron Fox is the guy that everybody believes that he is and DeMontis Sabonis is an all-star, they don't need that much more. And Keegan Murray could represent that extra little boost that they get this year that they didn't have last year. Now, he was good last year. What if he's better is a very easy correlation to an extra couple wins here or there. So we will see what happens, but I think Keegan Murray will be, he'll be key to Sacramento. Like that's a, that is a good through line. If Keegan Murray shows growth and shows consistency as a scorer, then Sacramento, I think, I think they have a a very good chance of going over this. San Antonio, this is an under that I would bet 29 and a half is the line. I understand that Victor Wembanyama is awesome. The rest of their team is not awesome. And this is going to be a year of development where they are going to not put a ton on him. They'll play him, to be clear. But I do think that it's going to take a little bit of time. So with him, I mean, he's going to be awesome immediately. But them putting a, a great team around him, like it just doesn't happen. Like even Joel Embiid had a great year his rookie season he only played 36 games but he had a great year Blake Griffin had a great rookie season there are guys that have great rookie seasons and don't play for good teams I just have trouble thinking that this team is actually going to get to 30 wins and that's fine like they don't have to 
<laughs> that's not their that's not the end goal for this team, to be clear. I do not think that they they should be getting to 30 wins. I have them at 22. Now that seems aggressive, maybe, but I do. Under. And final one here, Utah. 36 and a half is the line. I'm going under. I'm not sure if I would bet this. I have it at 33, but I'm not sure if I would bet because they were at 37 last year. But they're just a team that you look at with the rest of the Western Conference being better this year. Some of those wins are going to have to come from somewhere. And I think that Utah is going to give up a couple. How many they give up is a fair question, but they don't really have a great point guard solution right now. At least last year they had like 50 games of Mike Conley, 45 games of Mike Conley. Now they don't have that. Now they've got, they might start Taylor Horton Tucker at point guard. They might start Chris Dunn. They might start Jordan Clarkson. They might start Colin Sexton. They might start their rookie Keontae George. Uh, we will see what they ultimately do, but having that instability I think is a problem. And also the fit in the front court between Markinen, Collins, and Kessler. It's not perfect. It could be good. They're talented. They're a talented trio, but I do think that it could take some time. So we will see. But for now, let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to come back with East over unders. We'll go rapid fire through those. We'll be right back. over unders on the board here let's get into this uh, but make sure that if you're still listening hit that like button hit that subscribe button on the youtube side if you are on the audio side make sure to rate review and subscribe to the show tell your friends if they if they want a good nugget show that is comprehensive and serious and uh kind of gets into the weeds and gets into the depths of the thing if, if they're fanatics like you then Recommend the show to, to a, a friend that, that wants a good Nuggets podcast this year. There's a lot of great Nuggets podcasts out there. And so I, I don't bemoan you if you choose anybody else, but would be awesome if you chose me. So thank you so much. All right. East over unders. Let's get into it. Atlanta, 43 and a half. I have 45 wins on the board. I'm taking the over for them. They are a team that didn't play well last year, but Quinn Snyder being there this year for the full season, I think their team makes more sense without John Collins on it uh, last year. Like he was not a good player for them last year, John Collins was. And because of that, like I think that there is a reason to believe that a combination of Sadiq Bey, DeAndre Hunter, AJ Griffin on the wing will be a little bit better for the Hawks this year than DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, who like Collins just wasn't shooting well, and he wasn't really defending well either. So I think the Warrior, or the Hawks will be better. 45 wins. Boston, this is a stay away because the line is 55 and a half. Like, expecting them to go over that is crazy. I have them at 56, so if you want to bet the over, then you can. But I'd personally stay away because this this feels like a team that could be pretty... It could be pretty dicey if, if one of their bigs gets hurt specifically. Say it's Kristaps Porzingis. Okay, Al Horford, Al Horford slides into that starting spot. Luke Cornett's your backup. They've got O'Shea Brissett's and kind of some other random names in that front court that you're not going to know. So I think uh, I think it's a good line. I have them at 56. Could they go under? Sure. Charlotte, or no, let's go Brooklyn first. Brooklyn at 37 and a half. 
I have them at 40 wins. I'm kind of buying the Ben Simmons stock here. It's not perfect, and there, there's definitely some feeling where they're doing a lot of work with Ben Simmons. They're, they're doing a lot of heavy lifting where they probably shouldn't have to. But what I do think that makes it easier for everybody else if Ben Simmons is on the floor playing well is that he's going to do the hard things that a team needs. He's going to be a setup man for shooters, which they have plenty of, and he's going to be a defender, which they've got another great defender in Mikhail Bridges, and they've got a really strong defender in the front court in, in Nick Claxton. So you can see the lineups kind of blending together in interesting ways. Cam Thomas, another guy to watch out for on that team, is kind of a, a spark sixth man kind of guy. He's got to play this year because they they deserve, like he deserves to play for them for sure. And I think he'll be good. I think he'll be good for them. Um, I think the team makes more sense than I thought it would. So I'm, I'm taking the over. I'm taking, uh, I have them at 40 wins. Would I bet it? Maybe, maybe it's, that's a tough one. I, you know what? Screw it. Let's, let's put that as an over bet. Charlotte is going to be an under bet. 31 and a half. I have them at 29 wins. They, I, the Miles Bridges situation is gross, and there's not a lot that I want to say about it other than that he probably shouldn't be in the NBA. Uh, but I do think that with Lamella Ball kind of getting healthier and playing more than the 34 games, 36 games that he played last year, I think that they should be more stable. Mark Williams is a good center to have in the middle of their, their floor. Brandon Miller is their number two overall pick. They're going to play him. Not sure if that translates to wins, though. So I think that I have them at 29, and their over-under is 31 and a half. I think it's more likely that they go under, clearly. So I, I'm I'm definitely saying under. I don't, I'm not going to bet it, but like I would be under 31 and a half for sure. Now Chicago, 37 and a half for Chicago. I have them at 39. Uh, they are a team that surprised me. In the preseason, I thought that they looked pretty good against Denver. And that's a good sign because they they are a hustling team. They're a team that needs those extra possessions, whether it's offensive rebounds or turnovers forced or getting to the free throw line. They have to win on the margins because their their offense is not the most dynamic. I was also impressed by Patrick Williams, though. So if he is a guy that kind of breaks out in his fourth year, helps out the DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic trio, then maybe they have some juice. Maybe they have a, the ability to do a little bit more. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether that's going to happen, but I have them at 39. And as long as everybody stays relatively healthy, they should be pretty good. I also have Cleveland with the over. 50 and a half is their line. I have them at 52 wins. I'm a believer in Cleveland for sure. They're going to be the three seed at least in the Eastern Conference. And they are a team that you're going to want to get in on early because Max Struess makes so much sense in their starting lineup, folks. Like they have Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. What do you need around that? A 3 and D guy. Struess is going to defend a lot of their tougher guys. He's going to run around the floor and he's going to pop and he's going to make their offense a little bit more dynamic for a team that really struggled to space the floor in the playoffs. Evan Mobley should be better in his third season than his second. So I think that this is a pretty easy over. I don't have it as a number that I could really bet, but I kind of want to. So take that for what you will. Dallas, 
29 and a half is the line. I have them at 25 wins, so this would be an under bet for me. They're a team that the line is is a lot higher than I expected. Cade Cunningham coming off of a long injury. They're relying on a couple of young guys, a couple of rookies. Boyan Bogdanovich is still there. Alec Burks is still there. So they're they're veterans that could be helpful. But like that's just that's a lot. So that's a lot of a burden to be shouldered by Cade Cunningham. A lot of burden to be shouldered by Jaden Ivy, Osar Thompson. Monte Morris is there. He'll be helpful, but I'm not sure he's going to change that win total that much. I, I think they're going to be a pretty bad team in general. And that's okay. Like you're still a young team. You still got to figure some things out. And maybe they outperform this number and they you start to see the development there. But Cade, I think, is going to take some time. And he may not actually be that dude. Like they might need to still find that person. And if that's the case, then uh they they are up a creek to say. Indiana Pacers, 38 and a half is the line. I have them at 38 wins. This is definitely a stay away. They could absolutely go over this line. They've got a lot of guys that fit pretty well on their team uh, around Tyrese Halliburton. Miles Turner is a perfect pick and pop center for them. He also rolls to the basket, does pretty good things. Obi Toppin makes a lot of sense. He's going to be their starting power forward this year. Bruce Brown is there, as Nuggets fans well know. He's going to be helpful. And if they stay healthier than they were last year, then they are going to be a team that surprises a lot of people i'd say uh they're going to be pretty feisty they're going to be pretty competitive and they were already pretty solid last year when tyrese halberton was healthy so if you could stay on the floor for more time then count them for at least 35 wins and they're probably pushing into the 40s if they are like if, if everything hits and goes right for them but still got buddy healed um that situation with him benedict matherin is, is still somebody that I think probably needs some time to develop and figure some some things out. He's probably going to start for them. That's going to be a weird dynamic, so maybe push it down a touch, but I have him as an understay away, and that's still how I feel. Miami, 44.5 is the line for Miami. I have them at 43 wins. They're a team that they don't care about the regular season, even if they might say that they do. I'm not sure that they really do. They'd much rather be a great regular season team, but if they have to prioritize staying healthy for the playoffs or doing well in the regular season, they're going to stay healthy for the playoffs. Jimmy Butler's not going to play a ton of games. Bam might not even play a ton of games. And the depth behind those two guys now, without Gabe Vincent, without uh, Max Struess, and just kind of seeing some turnover in the front court there, it's not great. So they're going to rely on Nikola Jovic. They're going to rely on... Uh, Josh Richardson again. Not sure that's great. So I, I, I'm having the under for them. And I'm basically betting that their run to the finals last year was a fluke. I think a lot of people agree. So we'll see. Milwaukee. 53 and a half is the line. I have them at 55. They're a team that could certainly go under this number, 53 and a half. But I kind of just bet on Giannis and Dame working, making sense. And they're a team that I think the number is not going to look at, like some of the analytics behind their data doesn't look as strong because they lose a couple guys. Their bench is kind of weak. The guys like Javon Carter, Joe Ingles, Jay Crowder's not very good anymore. You'll lose a guy like Drew Holidays, who's an analytics darling. So I think that Dame is going to paper over all that. I think it's going to be just fine. I think that team's going to be really, really good. And there's just not a lot of other teams in the Eastern Conference that can stop that pick and roll. 
that could slow it down in any way. So any game that those guys are playing together, I think you can say that they're the favorites other than going on the road against like Boston, Denver, Phoenix, Lakers. Like, I guess that's it. So I am going to say over for them and feel pretty good about it. That might be one that I just bet, although I'm not sure I'd bet because it's still so tied to Giannis and Dame being healthy. And those guys have played 60-something games in each of the last couple of years. So it's not perfect. You'd want them to play 70. New York, uh, New York, excuse me, New York. 45 and a half is the line. I have them at 44. They're a team that I could see kind of blowing right by this, and that would be fine. But I do think that they are a team that losing Obi Toppin, relying on the starters being good again this year is probably not the best course of action. Trusting Julius Randle, trusting Jalen Brunson to replicate what he did last year, probably not the smartest thing. Like teams are going to be more ready for them. So I do think they have the best bench of the league. I called it that on the alley-oop, so make sure to go check that out. Uh, but I do think that they are a they're a candidate to regress after playing pretty well last year. 44 wins is not this crazy under for them, but it is an under, and I'm going to stick by that. Orlando, 37 and a half. I have them at 35 wins, and I don't feel great about that at all. Like, they're a team that if they won 44 games, I wouldn't really be surprised. I, I I would be surprised, but I wouldn't be like blown away. Um, They're a team that it is just a lot about Paolo and Franz right now until somebody in that backcourt steps up, whether it's Markel Fultz, whether it's Cole Anthony, whether it's Anthony Black, who they just drafted, whether it's Jalen Suggs, unless somebody steps up in the frontcourt to kind of take away some of the burden of Paolo and Franz that they're carrying, then they're just going to kind of be spinning their wheels a little bit. My opinion, of course, but if they, let's say they exchanged out a guy like Cole Anthony for Donovan Mitchell, and they just said, okay, now instead of Cole Anthony there, we have Donovan Mitchell, and he's going to be the first or second option, and everybody else just kind of falls into place. This team would win 50 plus games pretty easily. They don't have that. And that's going to be tough for them to figure out, to navigate. But I do think they're a team that has some potential still. And if they continue to push beyond that, then uh, we will see. Like, I love the trio of Paolo, Franz, and Wendell Carter Jr. Like, that makes sense to me. And it makes sense going forward. Is it going to continue to be perfect? No. No. And they still have a long way to go. Philly, this is a stay away. 47 and a half is the line. I have them at 47. If they trade James Harden for something horrible, then this number goes down for me. If they trade James Harden for something great, then they probably go over this. If James Harden just sits there idly, if he plays and plays like crap, then they probably go under. If he plays and plays really well, then they probably go over. Like that's just kind of the the theory of the practice here. It's really all comes down to James Harden. Tyrese Maxey's good enough that he could step into a kind of a number two role reasonably, but they still have enough questions around that, that I'd be a little bit concerned. Like they can build a good lineup here with D'Anthony Melton, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, PJ Tucker, Joel Embiid. That's a really, really good, strong lineup. They don't have enough depth behind that to really survive. Like they're going to have to have 
they're going to have to have somebody replace James Harden if that's the case. Or they're just going to have to have James Harden. And if they wait around too long and he just sits, that's going to be an issue. So we'll find out together, but I have them as a stay away. Toronto is the next one, and they're the second to last team. 36.5 is the line. I have them at 36. Crazy how low that line is, honestly. Toronto's not that bad, but 36 wins is right. Like I, That's what I have them at, and it feels right because Pascal Siakam is fine. Scotty Barnes is uh, Pascal Siakam's really good. Scotty Barnes is good. OG Ananobi is good. Dennis Schroeder will be okay leading their team. But if you're having Dennis Schroeder lead your team, you can have questions. And it's fair to have questions for sure. So I do have questions about them. And I think that they are going to probably trade one of their top guys at some point, whether it's Pascal or OG. And they're probably going to change things up. And whether they're going for it during the season or they decide to blow it up, that remains to be seen. They could still go either direction. And so that's why this is a stay away to me. They are a team that I just I can't get a feel for ever. And then Washington, their line is 25 and a half. This is the last team. I have them at 24. But like, could they win 26? Yes, of course they could. <laughs> that's, that's a crazy one. So I, I have them as a, they're probably a stay away as well because that line is so low. Um, but they're also going to suck. So like, Jordan Poole's going to have some games where he's awesome. It was funny. I tweeted out about Jordan Poole's 41-point game on the social account for Alley Oop. And then that night, he shot 1 of 15 from the field in 22 minutes. Like, 1 of 15 is really hard to do. And it may not be the last time he does it. So, uh, this is definitely a stay away. Like, they have enough talent. They just re-signed Denny Avdia or or extended Denny Avdia. So, like, he's going to be committed to them. Kyle Kuzma's there. He signed a contract in the offseason. This is probably a stay away, but could they go under? Sure. All right, folks, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I really do appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. If you have any questions on over-unders, make sure to hit me up, uh, whether it's at NBA Blackburn on Twitter or if you go into the comment section for the Mile High Sports YouTube then I will answer any questions there via the Mile High Sports account. Thank you so much for tuning in. I think I'll have another show on Tuesday morning just to kind of preview Nuggets Lakers. And that should be a fun thing for people to listen to. And then obviously into the season. Going to be a fun year. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. I'll talk to you guys very soon.